we are Centerpoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. going to um, be looking at different characters in the Bible um, who inspire us. In fact, we're going to have different preachers up each week, uh, picking a character that particularly inspires them from the Bible, and they're going to be telling you why they inspire them and then why, therefore, they should inspire all Christians, really. Um, So that's that. And this morning, we're going to look at a lady called Hannah, and Hannah um, is from the uh, first first book of Samuel, in the Old Testament, and so you can start to turn to 1 Samuel now, and it might be that um, you can't turn to it because you haven't got the Bible on an app or the physical thing, and if that's the case, then you can borrow a Bible from us, just stick your hand in the air, and one will arrive to you in your seat, Um, you can borrow it this morning, and uh, just keep it up, Uh, one of the guys on our yellow t-shirts will bring you one. It might just be that the reason your hand is up in the air is because you just don't own a Bible. And if that's the case, well, you can keep the one that you're given. It's a free gift from us. It's always good. Come to church, get a free yellow bag, and you get a free Bible. It's always good. Write your name in it. It will bless you and do you good. Um, So that's the Bibles. And um, Hannah, let me tell you about Hannah. Hannah uh, was a barren lady. That means that she... um, She couldn't have children. She couldn't conceive. She was barren. But she ended up having a son called Samuel, and both her and her husband, Elkanah, dedicated Samuel to the Lord. And it seems that Hannah, I think, is a really good person, therefore, to look at this morning, because today we're also going to be uh, giving thanks to God for Rowan. And uh, Rowan Phipps is a bundle of joy that came into... um, Charlie and John's family recently and so it's going to be good really good later on in our meeting to give thanks to God for him Um, and it's especially good because we get to look at Hannah and how how Hannah came about dedicating her child to God and maybe we can learn some lessons from that so that's what we're going to look at so it's 1 Samuel chapter 1 we're going to read a whole chapter and a little bit more um, so you can follow along with me if you didn't manage to get a bible don't worry the words will also appear on the screen so you can follow along. And I'll probably read a little bit and, and say a little bit, read a bit, say a bit, just to help us understand the story. So Hannah, chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerohom, the son of Eliahu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. That's the introduction to Hannah. And just a quick pause. First of all, I love the detail that the Bible gives us. Many people say, oh, it's just a made-up book. No, no, this is set in history and time. You can trace the family. It gives loads of details all across the Bible, just like this, how you can trace back who exactly this person was. And I, and I love that, that it does that. But more importantly, um, whenever you hear about barrenness in the Bible, watch out. Because God is about to do something. Throughout the whole of the Bible, um, we're introduced to different people. Sarah, who was 
referencing Connie's poem earlier, who was barren. She was Abraham's wife, who later gave birth to a guy called Isaac. And, and then Isaac's wife, Rachel, was also barren, later gave birth to Jacob. Samson's mother was barren, but then later gave birth to Samson. And Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was barren, but later gave birth to John the Baptist. And every single time, um, the writers are telling us, hey, something's about to happen because every time when someone's barren, they, they end up giving birth and then something happens. And, like, yeah, something big happens. Obviously, with John the Baptist, it was then paving the way for Jesus to come. And so 1 Samuel starts off at the end of a 400-year period uh, where the Israelites have been a nation who, although they've been marked out by God, really haven't been following him. They've kind of gone astray in lots of different ways and suddenly were introduced to this lady who's barren called Hannah. Verse 3 carries on. Year after year, this man, so Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. So... It's like, ooh, you know that something's going to get hot up now because Hannah deserves nothing. She has no children, um, and so by right, she shouldn't give, be given as much as Penina. Penina's got children, so she sh Penina should be given more, but it's not, and so you know we're about to get some double trouble. Carries on, verse 6. Because the Lord, oh, it tells us, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, that's Penina, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? It's like the typical bloke response to his wife who's got no children. Don't worry, love, you got me. It's all good. He carries on, verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord and for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. So she, like, she wouldn't shave his hair. It's like a sign of giving someone's self to God back then. And as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought that she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. And she said, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've, I've not been drinking wine or beer. I, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. So she said, may your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at the Ramah. Alkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband, Elkanah, went up with all his family to offer annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfil his, his vow, Hannah did not go. 
She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, at that point I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Alkanah told her. I feel like that's quite a good phrase. I might adopt that. It's quite a good thing to say to your wife. Do what seems best to you. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. So that probably would have been about three years. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah flower and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For this whole life he will be given over to, to the Lord." And he worshipped the Lord there. So basically what happened is that Sarah has given birth to the child, but also chooses to keep her promise by taking Samuel back to the temple and is kind of going to allow Samuel to grow up in the temple, ministering to the Lord there, uh, learning from Eli and serving the Lord there. And so then into chapter 2, Hannah, um, I guess she kind of shows how how real this all is and she has this prayer and so Hannah's prayer says this my heart rejoices in the Lord in the Lord my horn is lifted high my mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance there is no one holy like the Lord there is no one beside you there is no rock like I God and this goes on her prayer for these first 10 verses of that chapter and then in verse 11 it says this Elkanah went to Ramah but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. So the whole family left. They left um, Samuel the boy with Eli the priest. And then it also lets us know that Eli's sons were scoundrels and they had no regard for the Lord. It must have been a really tough place for Samuel to grow up in by these boys who were just not a good influence at all. And so that's the story. And um, one of the amazing things that I love about the books of 1 and 2 Samuel, which were probably one book, but just wouldn't have been able to fit on one scroll. So it was kind of split into half. Uh, What I love about these two books is that it's really big kind of kings and kingdom shaking moving stuff you hear of of you know Samuel has a big part to play in that um you've got this guy called Saul who's a king you've got this moment of David defeating Goliath that's in 1 Samuel chapter 17 it's a great story and you've got Solomon and his temple and his wisdom and it's just amazing stuff but right at the start of this big sort of kingdom narrative um we focus on this family Right at the heart of the story, you've got Elkanah and Hannah, who's this barren lady. And it's, it's a very detailed picture of what it would be like living in a household like that under those circumstances. But out of it, God does amazing things. And you know what? God doesn't look for mighty people or even perfect people um, who he thinks might be up for the tasks that he has for them. No, rather he looks for ordinary, sometimes broken, hurting sometimes messed up people through whom he can display his wonderful majesty and his might in extraordinary ways. People just like you and me. And that is perhaps never more true than with this wonderful lady called Hannah, um, which is why she is just such an inspiration, why I think it's a great person to focus on at the start of our Inspired series. When she finally was given this promised son, um, she knew that Samuel was first and foremost God's child. 
whom God had entrusted to her for a season. And so it was right that she would then go and give him back to, to the Lord because it was his child anyway. This morning, as the Phipps family are going to be giving thanks to God for their children and specifically for Rowan, um, as part of um, what we do as we come to give thanks to God really is recognising that fundamentally all our children are a gift from God. And first and foremost, they are God's children who God has entrusted to us for a season. Now, I'm sure it's going to be more than three months. It already has been. But, um, oh, three years even. But, uh, yeah, fundamentally, these are God's children that he's entrusted to us, which we then give thanks to God for. And so that's what we're going to be doing this morning. And um, ultimately, in order to be able to even do that, to be able to come to before God and give thanks to God for this child and to trust him, then... Um, this is something that is not done easily and something that Hannah didn't find easy either. And so what I'd like to do is look at three Ds um, that is displayed throughout this passage and then we'll come to, to dedicate uh, Rowan. So desperation, declaration and dedication. Let's start with desperation. We find in this, um, Hannah in this difficult situation and she was the, the first wife of this reasonably well-off and godly man called Elkanah and Elkanah loves Hannah the most but Penina was the one with the children and so Hannah was unhappy and I think that's probably for many reasons but here's four that I pick out. First and most significantly she was unable to have children and even today that's a desperately hard situation that is that is tough. But back then, it had additional problems of kind of real cultural shame and lack of potential future security, which is why it's remarkable that uh, Alkanah gave her a double portion. And, and so that would have been really tough for her. The second reason is for Hannah's unhappiness was that Alkanah had a second wife, um, Penina, and he probably took her as a wife because Hannah couldn't have children. And she, he, wants, he needs to carry on the family line and, and so on. And so... You, you've got this going on, but also Penina seems to have a bit of a nasty streak in her and she loved nothing more than just taunting Hannah and like poking fun at her for her lack of children. And so she might have been like, Oi, Hannah, I'm just uh, talking to my son. Or, oh, Hannah, are you coming to the school play? Oh, oh no, I guess she won't be, would you? Or... Oi, Hannah, I, I don't suppose um, you, you would have one of your children um, bring me one of those things, would you? Oh, I guess not. She, she really mocked her and t made fun of her. And that would have been really hard. And then the third reason is that it, there was a really difficult time of year for her personally. Because every year, Elkanah would take his family to the temple in Shiloh to worship God, as we, as we heard about in the story. And... Um, many people in that time would have done that and this was the start of like the Feast of the Tabernacles which among other things was something of like a harvest festival. It was a time where you come and celebrate abundance and fruitfulness and fertility and so to come to a celebration of celebrating these things without children would have just driven home again the pain and anguish that she would have felt of not being able to conceive. It was a miserable time of here, a year for her. And then just to top it all off, fourthly, Elkanah was really insensitive in the face of his sobbing, sobbing wife. He's like, hey, don't cry, babe. you got me. It's all good. And um, I don't really pretend to understand a woman's mind. It's a complex and mysterious thing. But what I do know, guys, 
is if your wife is upset, don't just say, don't worry, babe, you've got me. It's all going to be good. The Bible doesn't actually tell us uh, Hannah's exact response. Maybe it's like asterisked out or something. I don't know. But um, in verse 10, it does say that she was deeply distressed. Really, really, obviously, real painful time for her. You know, it might be that you know something of a sad and broken, distressed situation yourself. Like Hannah, you might have gone through a really difficult time. Maybe you've got people around you mocking you or just poking fun at you or rubbing it in your face in some way at work or at home, in the family, whatever it might be. Maybe you've uh, just, I don't know, gone through some kind of scenario or gone to a particular event that's just been really hard because it's, it's just rammed home, that thing. Maybe you've got an insensitive partner that doesn't quite know how to handle your emotions. It might even be that you're struggling with exactly the same issue that Hannah is, with maybe not being able to conceive or have children. And in which case, coming to a morning like today is going to be really difficult as you receive you know, us give thanks to God for children in the church family. And, of course, there's all sorts of different reasons to be sad, but it's not uncommon to feel, and it, and it is not uncommon to feel, that life is just dealing you a really bad hand. There might be heaviness in your heart. There might, it might just seem like everyone else is living at large and going, like, sort of, life just seems to be dealing them a good hand, enjoying the favour of God, and we can all go through these kind of things, you know, tough relationships, tough work environment, tough family issues, bereavement, loss, hurt, damage, pain, all sorts of different things. And it can be easy to feel small, small in spirit, lacking in resource, lacking good news. And the first thing that I want us to notice then is that even in this desperate circumstance, Hannah's worship, in spite of all that was going on, her worship to God was unconditional. She did not allow her sadness and her problems of her life to pull her away from God. Rather, she clung to God. She threw herself on God. She was like, that is the place I need. I need to go to the temple. I need to go and pray. If there's anywhere I need to be, it's there and not away from it. Her difficulty didn't lend her to distrust God, but actually to lean hard on him instead, to build her life on him, as, as we've been singing earlier. Even while the rest of the family were tucking into food, it was in that moment that Hannah got up and she left and she went to the temple. She was like, I need to be in the presence of my God. And so I just want to encourage you, you need to hear that, that when you're down, defeated, lonely, don't back off from the presence of God. That's exactly the time that we need to press into him and to lean on him and to worship him. So be in church, be, be around people that, that love him, join others in worship. So often it can be easy to try to look the part and present ourselves as, you know, all together, but that's, that's just fake. And God sees right through it anyway. He would much rather you come like Hannah with just anger and frustration to him and present your request to him. Um, that would be much better than to take it elsewhere somewhere else you know the name Hannah actually means grace and I, and I believe that Hannah knew something of God's grace and that's exactly how we come before God just as we are we don't have to scrub up brush up fix up look sharp we don't need to do that no it's not about performance it's just come as you are Hannah didn't kind of go and say well it is what it is she didn't do that many people say that she didn't say that she's like no no I need to come before 
God. So come exactly as you are. When you're feeling small, broken, hurting, don't back off. Throw yourself on God. Hannah is inspiring to me because even in the midst of great desperation, she knows where help comes from. As we heard from Psalm 121, her help comes from the Lord. Second day is declaration. And so what Hannah did was that she prayed, not just a quick kind of text prayer, she continued praying before the Lord constantly. Uh, Even as we get into chapter two, we hear a bunch of her prayer. I read a little bit of it earlier. And her prayer is uncomplicated prayer. Um, She gives us an insight of how to pray and it's uncomplicated. And she was honest before God. She She says that I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord day and night continuously and so what does uncomplicated prayer look like well first of all it's honest about who God is I believe that she started every prayer by bringing to mind who God is what he is like you know that's exactly what we did this morning as we come and sing worship to God we come and declare truths about God and so in verse 11 it says O Lord of hosts host is like commander of the armies is declaring that he is sovereign over everything, even her situation. He is a sovereign God. And as, as yeah, he, he, she trusts him in that. In chapter 2, verse 6, um, she declares in her prayer how the Lord kills and brings life. The, the Lord upholds the poor and upholds the rich. The, the Lord is sovereign and mighty. Um, and even in the passage we read, it described how it's not just, it was the Lord that closed her womb. She, even in that situation, she recognised that, Not that God did something bad to her, he doesn't do that, but that he was sovereign over it all and was able to change the circumstance. You you might struggle with the idea that God can be sovereign over bad things and and good things, but when difficulties happen, you know what, I would much rather believe and trust in a God who's in control or who has the ability to to bring something out of it than to believe in God that is out of his control. In fact, that would be futile. What we're doing today would be completely useless if God was not able to to be sovereign over everything in life. And so it's much better to to trust in a God who is sovereign over all things. Again, not that he brings bad, but one who can bring good out of bad situations. He, He says in his word, he can turn all things to good for those who love him. And so when Hannah prayed, she began by declaring who God is. Uh, she starts off chapter two by saying, there is only one holy, well, there is only one, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one like you. There is no rock like God. She brings these things to mind. And so when you pray, try to begin, begin by focusing not on yourself, but on who God is. And when we focus on who God is, we focus on who he is outside of our circumstance so easy sometimes to focus in on our circumstance and what's going on and and it's like no we step back from that and we say who is God and we declare out loud who he is you know um they say that the average human being has 10,000 thoughts per day and I don't know about you but I reckon women women must drive up that average like massively they must do because men just don't think about anything a famous preacher said this, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. He was saying, come on, what you need to do is to f- uh, focus, feed your mind with the truth of God's word, instruct your mind about what is true, and then when you pray, start there. You start there with the truth about who God is, and it might be that you don't know the truth about who God is that you don't know that God could possibly be good or what he is able to do or that he could be sovereign. And if that's you, then I want to encourage you to go on the Alpha course 
this is a course where we encourage you to come and ask questions, get to know God. It's, on, it's every Monday evening. It's on tomorrow night, half past seven at the YMCA. And so she, she declared that the first thing was she declared the truth about who God is. The second thing was that she was honest about her situation and how she was feeling. She didn't just try to mask it up or cover it up. There's no point in trying to do that because God will see through you. She, she's vexed, let's be honest. It, it says, I am troubled in spirit. I've been pouring out my soul. I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. She's like, yeah. I mean, it was so bad that Eli the priest thought that she was drunk. You know, it's not the only time in the Bible where someone's been praying and people have thought they were drunk. It happened to the disciples too. But it, it, out of this, what was going on, um, Eli thought she was drunk. And what she was doing, she wasn't coming all tidy and all clearing and prim and proper and wiping off her makeup and just kind of, yeah, it'll be all right. No, she was coming before God, honest about how she felt. She was coming just as she, she was and being true to him about it. And do you know what? He can handle it. He can handle your angerness and your bitterness and your pain. He knows what's going on. And then thirdly, she was honest about what, what she wanted God to do. As well as declaring the truth of who God is, uh, hearing from him in prayer, she came and presented her request before God. And um, it's, yeah, it can be um, a bit surprising, but she kind of seems to, it feels like she seems to make a deal with God. God, you give me a child, I'll offer him back to you. That's not really what she was doing. What she was doing is making a vow. She was maximising her worship. She was basically saying, Lord, I love you and I'm going to worship you. She spent time in the, in the temple. We knew that. But if I had a son, I, I could maximise my worship even more. And that's my heart's desire. That's what I want to do. And so that is, that is her, her, her desire is, to, is for heart's maximum worship. And uh, she's not saying, you know, she could say, well, God, if you do this and I'll be a good person, well... You should be a good person anyway. God, if you give me a million pounds, I'll give you a hundred pounds back. Well, give him a hundred pounds anyway. You know, that's not, that's not the deal that she's making. She's making a vow. She's saying, God, I, I want to glorify you and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it all the days of my life. I want to trust you and I'd love it. This is my situation. I'd love it if you could answer this prayer. In this scenario, he did. He doesn't always, but he did in this scenario. She was making a promise before God. That's what her vow is, is that whatever was going to happen, that she was going to trust him and she she fulfilled her end of that. So I want to encourage you to bring your request to God. Ask him, you know, what would you like him to bring breakthrough in? Don't try to bargain with God. There's no point and it misses the point. But do pray. Ask God and do it in a way that maximises your worship. And so that's what uncomplicated prayer is. It's being honest about who God is, honest about how you feel and honest about what you want him to do. And then lastly, we see Hannah... Um, what we see in Hannah is dedication. And it's this devotion to unlimited and uncompromising worship. And Hannah, she, she was good with her promise, as we mentioned. And we're told that Hannah would visit Samuel at least once a year. And she would make him little, like, cute robes and stuff. And she'd go and talk to him. And her dedication, her dedicating her son to God, is often seen as the pinnacle of sacrificial worship. But I, I don't think that is the case. I think what's much more significant is what we read at the beginning of chapter one, uh, or sorry, at the end of chapter one, which is the very last sentence, and it says that Samuel worshipped the Lord there. The scenario could have played out so differently. He could have had a temper tantrum. He could have got kind of anxiety, homesickness, whatever it might be. He could have been really um, taken astray by Eli's other sons who were dreadful and awful, but, the reason, but he didn't do any of that. 
he carried on worshiping the Lord. I believe the reason why I believe that is is because he was brought up in an environment uh, where there was unconditional, unlimited, uncompromising worship to God. It wasn't just a show. It wasn't just on a Sunday morning. Hannah and Elkanah were dedicated to the Lord throughout their whole lives. And so that's what it says to me is that through every single aspect of life, they were, he, he was taught about how to trust in God. And so Hannah's dedication, it could not have been limited to just her giving her, to the, giving her son to the temple, but it was her whole life. Hannah had given her whole life to God. So I'm just going to move on a little bit. And today, as our baby dedication morning, as we, John and Charlie come and dedicate Rowan to God, what they're really saying is this, that God, we love you and we dedicate our whole lives to you. And that includes our children. Because, it, you know, your kids, they will see right through everything. If you just come to church on a Sunday, but then live your life like God doesn't exist the rest of the week, they will grow up learning that. They will see that church is about a showcase for a Sunday morning. Instead, Hannah and, and Elkanah and Samuel, they lived their whole life dedicated to God. So over the mealtime, uh, when something went wrong, hey, let's bring God in, into the mix. When something's going on in life, let's pray. When not sure how to handle the situation, let's look to the Bible and see what the, what the word of God says. And their whole lives are dedicated to God. So first, and f- this might not be a surprise to you, but first and foremost, John and Charlie and all other parents, the first thing we need to do before we dedicate our children to God is dedicate ourselves to God. Dedicate our lives to God first and say, God, you can have every area of my life, my money, my finance, my marriage, my children, and I'm going to trust you with them all. And as we do that, we, we learn to grow in God and know him and love him and be a part of him. And then our children learn the same too. And so we dedicate our whole lives to him. I want to get the band back up. There are three Ds. And uh, band, if you can just start to come back up just before we finish and invite all the children to come back in. This what Hannah went through was also a representation of the gospel. We live in a society that kind of it believes that everyone is kind of fundamentally good and sometimes do wrong. Do you know what the Bible says very differently? It says that fundamentally we are all bad. Sometimes we do good. And because we are bad, our sin, it cuts us off from God. It separates us from God. And because God is just and God is holy, he's also loving and kind. And he doesn't want you to be separated from him. And so what he does, he sent his son, his son to live and die on the cross. And as you put your trust in him, your sin and your shame is removed from you. So, and God forgives you. He puts that on Jesus instead and you can come into a relationship with him. And that leads us on to the greatest declaration of all humankind when we put our trust in Jesus and say, I, I believe in Jesus. And all our sin and our shame is covered and we declare that he is good. And then as we do that and we mean it in our lives, we then commit to him and we say, God, I'm going to dedicate my whole life to you. Everything that I am, I'm going to give to you and trust you with, with it. That, that is really the story of Hannah. It's a story of the gospel that all of us were cut off from God, desperate in our sin, away from him. But as we come and declare that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as we come and worship him, build our lives on him and dedicate our lives to him, that we can know fullness of life, fullness in all that he is, and we trust him. What I'd like us to do is, can we stand together? I'm going to pray. And I'd love you to pray along with me. Father God, I just want to 
thank you for the life of Hannah. Lord, I thank you for this story, this amazing several books of the Bible where we see all these great mighty acts that are displayed and yet we start off with this seemingly insignificant person who's unhappy, feeling small, feeling like the whole weight of the world is on her. And yet, Lord God, we see through her, her unconditional worship to you, her uncomplicated prayer, her uncompromising devotion and dedication to you, Lord God. And we're inspired by it. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that for every single person in this room, Lord, I pray, would you help us to live our lives trusting you, following you, walking with you. For those of us, Lord God, that don't know you yet, I pray, would you help us? Help us, Lord God, not to just to come as we are. Yeah. To not try to put on a show, but just come just as we are and ask, Lord God, that you would receive us. Thank you that you, yeah, you received Hannah and you loved her. I pray, Lord, do that for us too. Lord, for those of us that do know you, I pray, would you help us to dedicate our whole lives to you? Lord God, every single area, help us, Lord God, to trust you in it all. In, in our doubts and our questions and our concerns, Lord God, we hand it to you. And we say, Father, Lord God, would you speak to us through them? Even in our pain and our hurt and our suffering, for those of us who have been going through all difficult times, all right, we give that to you again and we come to the very place where we know it's best to come and that's into your courts of praise. It's to your son. It's to the one who gave his life us up for us that we might know you, Lord. We come to you again and say, have your way. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.